met yet. Uh, I'm a pastor here on staff at the branch. Oh yeah, kiddos, you guys can make your way to your class uh, and we pray for them as they run along. Um, but uh, I work with our college Bible study and our family group ministry, which here's how we do life at the branch. So if you aren't connected to a family group and you'd like to be, man, I'd love to talk with you afterwards uh, and help you get connected into the life of our church. But uh, before we get into our text today, I've got a few announcements, a couple of things that are going on here. Next Steps class, uh, if you have been coming to the branch for a while, if you want to know more about what our church believes or have questions for our leadership team, or even want to join our church, which that's like kind of the main purpose of this class, if you want to join our church, this is where I'd encourage you to go. So our next Steps class is after we get the trailer packed up next week after church. Uh, also next week, after the trailer gets packed up, we have a volunteer training for kids. So uh, if you serve in kids' ministry, we're about to make some awesome changes to the, what we're doing in the ways of curriculum. Uh, it's going to help kids and parents kind of connect what we're teaching here in the church uh, to also be able to apply it at home. So you're not alone parents in discipling your kids. Uh, we're going to be kind of trying to make that one cohesive unit. So our training next week will be for people that uh, already volunteer or if you want to volunteer. So we're always accepting volunteers for kids ministry. Uh, that's also next week after the trailer gets packed. Uh, another cool thing, we got a new slide. This is a new thing that we're doing. Walking, walking, I gotta say it right, walking, talking Tuesdays for moms. Uh, so if you're a mom and you want to walk and talk with other moms, uh, then do this. It's on, it's on a Tuesday at, uh, I'm just going to read the slide, at 9.15 at Hancock Park. So come hang out, walk around, talk around, uh, and enjoy some community from the branch. All right, this one's my favorite uh, announcement for today. College students are coming back. So some of you are already trickling back in. We're really happy that you're coming back. Um, I think this row in the front will be full when they come back. Um, so we have a couple of things. We've got move in. We want you to help us help the college students move in, right? So the BCM on campus has a link that we're going to be sending out to everybody. Uh, if you want to register to help us move college students in on Friday and Saturday, uh, it's a great opportunity to meet students, to be able to invite them into our church, to be able to make sure that they know that they have a place that they can call home, that they can come and uh, uh, just feel like they have a new, a new set of a family, right? So we really want to engage the college students. That's why we're here in Dahlonega, is to reach those people. So please help us with move-in. And along with that, like I said, this, this row is going to fill up. So it's empty today because I'm peaching and I might spit on them. But uh, on when they start coming back, our rows are going to fill up pretty quickly. It's going to be a large amount of folks that are coming to the branch. Uh, so we're going to encourage you to, like, sit next to one another. Yeah? And also to, like, move up. Because, you know, one, college students, if they're late, you know, the back rows are a lot less intimidating to come and sit in. So just be prepared as we, like, start to move towards with college students coming back. We might be asking you, hey, guys, like, scoot in and move up, All right, that, that fun little uh, greeting time. So we love you guys, and we're excited to uh, be praying that they come back uh, as they join us and have a new home. So be praying for those students, for real. I guess it's going to be a really anxious time for a lot of them. All right. 
Um, so we're going to open up today in Leviticus chapter 1, just right where we left off. All right, just kidding. Uh, we're going to go to the New Testament for a little bit of action uh, in Luke chapter 24. So flip over to Luke chapter 24, and I will pray uh, before we move in. Heavenly Father, thank you for your church. Thank you for the love and support that you provide to us through your people. Thank you for not leaving us to do life alone. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, who so graciously has given us power and peace in this world. I ask that you would give us grace today to understand your word and to apply it to our life quickly, that we may walk more like your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. All right. So, Luke 24, much more palpable than Leviticus chapter 1. So, in a few weeks, we're actually going to be starting Ephesians, right? So, y'all probably might have expected us to say, hey, Ephesians, we're going in today. But we're going to do a little bit of backing up. And we kept backing up and like, man, what, where should we go to help set the context for Ephesians? And so, we were like, well, should we go to Paul's imprisonment? It's like, no, we need to go a little bit farther back. Should we go to uh, Paul's conversion? It's like, oh, it was just a little bit farther back. Should we go to the beginning of the church? That'd be a great place to start. But we're going to go to the gospel, right? The good news. I don't want that to go unheard. The gospel is not just the books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but it's what's contained in those books that makes them stories of good news. So what is the gospel? It's the good news of Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one, who would fulfill the promises of God. And in the most simple terms, the gospel is God came to earth and redeemed his broken people. That's us. And how did he do that? He, Jesus, lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He never did anything in the sight of God that could be labeled as selfish or unloving. He was perfect. And even though he was perfect, he died. He was buried. He was crucified for saying who he was, that he was king of the universe, that he was God. And in his death, he also claimed that he was dying for sinners, that he was dying for you in I, that he would take on our imperfection in his body, he died and was buried. And then, three days later, he rose from the grave out of his own power, justifying the claims that he was in fact God and King, and that he had the ability to forgive sins. And then he appeared to many people, many eyewitnesses, including his disciples. And this is where we find ourselves in the story today. Luke 24, 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened and thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? 
see my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy, and they were marveling, and he said to them, have you anything here to eat? It's my favorite part about Jesus when he asked about having something to eat. And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate before them. Then he said to them, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. All right, and Luke picks this story up in the book of Acts. So just flip past John and go to Acts chapter 1. We'll go to verse 3. He, Jesus, presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. All right. Praise God. What just happened here? What just happened? Jesus risen from the grave, tells them that his rising from the dead is the basis that they can proclaim forgiveness and repentance in his name to the nations. The risen Jesus is saying, hey, I'm here. I'm up. I woke up. Now go in my name and proclaim forgiveness. Share The gospel, the gospel that they cling to is also the gospel that they share. It's this thing that we hang on to it, but we also need to be giving it away to others. Go and proclaim it because Jesus is risen. The second thing that happened is that he tells them that they will not know the general time, the season, or the time specific that he, Jesus, will restore all things under his name. That we're not going to know when he's going to return. 
But what do we know? He will. He will return. He tells them that they will receive power from the Holy Spirit. That he leaves and he sends the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. The presence of God with you. He's sending it. The fourth thing is that he gives them the command to go to the nations and proclaim that forgiveness and repentance. And then he ascends into heaven, not without his body, but with his body. This stuff. You can all feel it. With his body. The other thing that happened was the angels give the disciples a gentle rebuke to go and do what Jesus said to do. And then the angels remind the disciples that Jesus is going to come back because we need to be reminded. Two seconds ago, Jesus said, hey, I'm coming back. And they're they're standing there. Angels, hey, he's coming back. Go do what he said to do. And the gospel and all of that is summed up in this from the Apostles' Creed, and I think we have it on the screen if you want to see it. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, and he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, was buried. He descended to hell. And on the third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And from there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. So what's the point of this story? What's the point? I don't want to dive into this too deeply, but this is so encouraging. The bodily resurrection and ascension of Jesus tells us that our bodies matter, not just to us, but to God. We are spiritual bodies, not just bodies that have spiritual beings inside of them. Right? What we do with our bodies and in our bodies matters to God. And in that day when Jesus returns, as he says that he will, and all things are restored, he's also talking about your body. Your body will be restored. God loves what he has made. He loves you, all of you, not just your mind, not just your soul, also your body. He loves you. He's made your body, and one day he will make it new. And all of your ailments All of your pain, all of your sickness, he will take your body and he makes it new. Not only your morality will he make right and give you a spirit of perfect love, but your body will be perfected. That's good news. Some of you in this room have experienced immense pain, been hospitalized, had surgeries, you deal with chronic pain and disease, or at least you have friends that you know that they experience pain that you just don't know where it's coming from. Chemical imbalance of your hormones, that's your body. 
And one day, God is going to make it new. Amen. Because of the bodily ascension of Jesus, we know that he will deal with everything in your body and he will heal it when he returns. That is part of the gospel. So I just encourage you to believe on the name of Christ because one day he will make you new. He'll make you new now and he begins the process of renewal for eternity. So when he comes... We don't know. We don't know when he comes. So there is that waiting and that pain and that desire for him to come and make all things new. It does us no good, zero good, to try to discern when he's coming back. Right? The answer from the beginning of the church has always been one word, and the answer is soon. He's coming back soon, and soon feels like a long time sometimes, but he is coming back. So the practical next step in that truth is that he will return, so preach the gospel. Tell people of his goodness. Tell people of his faithfulness. Tell people that Jesus Christ died, that he rose, and if you believe on that, you will be made new. Preach that. So when we get caught up, and man, like Russia is being really aggressive towards nuclear war. Do you think that that means this is the end? The answer is preach the gospel. America's government's so corrupt, it seems like preach the gospel. There's been so many more natural disasters recently. Preach the gospel. The end is coming, and Christ will return. And the answer for us is to proclaim that forgiveness has been made known to the nations through Jesus Christ. This is exactly what Jesus said to do. There's so much going on in this world. How can we be focused on living a life that preaches the gospel? I think we look back at what Jesus said in John 16, 33. It says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He promises us that we will have trouble, trials, difficulty, but he doesn't tell us to have peace based off of our feelings or our circumstances. He tells us to have peace based off of who he is and what he has done. And this is exactly what the disciples are immediately faced with. Jesus tells them to take the gospel to the nations, and they stand looking up into heaven, like, all right, he said he's coming back. Like, now? Like, is he coming back now? Like, we're going to stand here and look at the clouds? He gave the, the command, and he also promised to give them the power to be obedient. And they stood there distracted on what they lacked all of a sudden. They lacked the presence of Jesus, the Messiah, the one that they had hung out with for three years. And that feeling, that circumstance, made them be hesitant to obey Jesus' command. And so the angels come in and give that gentle rebuke, but I think this is exactly where most of us get tripped up too. 
right? We accept this truth about Jesus, then we feel like we have to powerfully will ourselves to do the work that God has called us to do. Like, all right, all right he says he's coming back. Now I must really try hard to fight sin, and I must really fight hard to share the gospel with others. And we get in our heads about living a life worthy of the gospel, and we forget to invite God into that process. The process that he's promised us to, that he would empower us to do it. So, here's a couple of really ridiculous pictures to illustrate what this is like. It's fourth and goal. You're on the eight-yard line against the 2022 Georgia Bulldog defensive line. It's an impossible situation. And just like a bad dream, you get called into the game to run up the middle and score a game-winning touchdown. You have nothing to offer, right? You're wearing street clothes. You're unathletic. And as you run onto the field, as you are going to do the task at hand, you turn into Derrick Henry, right? You're that person to accomplish the task at hand. Here's another ridiculous one. Right, you were told to go and take the bar exam without going to law school. Now, on your way to the test, you were given the answers to the test and a photographic memory to do it. The full ability to pass the exam. Right, here we go. This was a little bit more practical. All right, tell Pierce, my son, two and a half, to go and pick up all of his toys in his room. And then by some miracle, I give him the strength and the attention span of a 30-year-old man instead of a two-and-a-half-year-old. And he does it. Those are, those are silly. Those are ridiculous. Right? This is exactly what happens for us. Because the Spirit of God inhabits you to do what God has called you to do. He gives you the command and he gives you the power to do it. And we get distracted like a two-and-a-half-year-old looking at our sin, looking at our inability instead of relying on the strength, the power, and the presence and the peace of God. We forget that Jesus is, in fact, on the throne and that he has overcome the world. We forget that death cannot hold us we forget that perfect love casts out fear. We forget that in our weakness, Christ's strength and grace is sufficient for us. We forget. So my call today is remember. We're not alone. So just like the angels said with the disciples when they said, why do you stand looking into heaven? I ask you, why do you stand looking at your phone? Why do you stand looking at your difficult circumstances? Why do you stand looking at all the reasons you don't feel qualified to go and live a life of the gospel? Why do you stand there looking at yourself when Christ is on the throne? There's work to be done, and he's given you the power to do it. Jesus is on the throne. And he will come again. And because Jesus is on the throne, 
and has sent the Holy Spirit to give you power, you can ask for help when you go into every situation. Maybe even more than you can, you can ask for help. So this is a, a should ask for help, right? Have the humility that you cannot do anything of spiritual significance without the power of the Holy Spirit. So call on Him for help. Do you guys remember about like 56 weeks ago when we were going through Exodus and like Moses, uh, it's like Mo- Exodus chapter 3, and Moses brought all of his excuses to God? Y'all remember that? About 56? Um, he was saying like, hey, God, I, I can't talk good. But what did God do? God did it. God provided the voice. God provided the miracles. God provided the strength. And Moses just had to submit to his grace and move. The same is for us. In light of the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus, he has given us his power, his presence, and his peace to do his work in the world. So, really, really practical. Three words. Lord, help me. I think it might be the most, if you say it in sincerity, it's the most powerful three words that you can ever say in prayer. Right? This prayer is the key to prayer like praying, like Paul asked us to do, without ceasing. Right? Lord, help me when I go to work. Lord, help me in dealing lovingly with my child. Lord, help me to share the gospel with these two men that are broken down on the side of the road. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. He promised that he would, and he will. And to switch gears just a little bit, this question always comes to my mind, and it's, why are you the way that you are? I think it's from Michael and Toby in the office. But I feel like I ask myself that question all the time. Why are you the way that you are? And, and for me, it's like the reason that I am tied to my notes so much is because of this really intense uh, terrible communications 101 class that I had where I stood up there and I ended up throwing my note cards and I just repeated the words SEC football like 45 times and I like somehow got past that class. Like that's why I'm tied to my notes or the reason that I park at the top of my driveway instead of at the bottom of my driveway is because it's like two years ago I hit the transformer on my way out right? Why are you the way that you are? I wanted to ask you that. So, are you able to answer that question with any honesty by saying, because Jesus sits on his throne and has given me his spirit to resist temptation, share the gospel, and love God and love others? Right? This should be our answer to that question, right? Do you live life as if Jesus sits on the throne. 
and has given us the power to overcome our sin and share his love and grace and truth to all the world. This is the reason for the hope that's in us. But do you have that hope? Do you live with hope? You can. You can. It's real. I've tasted it. I've seen it. You can have hope in the midst of trouble, in the midst of a world that comes crashing down on your circumstances. You can have hope because Jesus sits on his throne and he's given you grace. That is the gospel. That Jesus came, lived, died for you, rose, and now he's ascended. He sits on the throne. He sent you his spirit. And you can live in light of that hope. So let's respond to that hope. Let's respond. Some of us need to respond in prayer. Maybe you need help to pray. You don't have the words to pray. We're going to have people over here on this side to come and to pray with you. If you need prayer, help praying the words, I don't know how to get through this situation. We have people that want to pray with you. Some of you need to respond in confession, that you haven't been living as if Jesus is on the throne. Right? But we all, all of us in this room, need to respond to the gospel today. Right? For those of you who are believers in the room, we respond to this in our church by going to the table and taking the bread that represents his body and dipping it in the juice that represents his blood. And we remember that he came, he died, he rose for you. So today, remember the gospel. And if you aren't a believer in the room, we ask that you don't go back there, but that you consider the claims of Christ. That you would consider that Jesus is who he says he is and that he is in fact seated on the throne and all authority has been given to him. So your whole life depends on what you do with Jesus. So in the same manner that there's people over here that are going, that want to pray with you, those same people would love to talk to you about Jesus. Who do you say that Jesus is? He's Lord. So let's go to the table remembering that Jesus, he lived a perfect life. He died taking on the punishment For all sin, he was buried and he rose from the grave. He didn't just rise from the grave, but he's risen on high and is on the throne in heaven with all authority, interceding for us and has sent his spirit to be our guide, our help, our power, and our presence. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for your spirit. Thank you for the eyewitness account of the resurrection and the ascension of your son, Jesus. I pray that we can live with the same confidence that you gave the first disciples to be bold witnesses, proclaiming your good news to the nations. Teach us to be reliant 
on your spirit. Teach us that we cannot do anything of significance apart from you. Lord, empower our church to be bold witnesses for your word. Give us strength to step out in faith, to be selfless. Lord, and as the college students come back to Dahlonega, Lord, I pray that you would uh, just soften their hearts. Lord, that you would uh, go ahead and start working in them. We know you are sovereign. You know every single student that's going to come back into Dahlonega, Lord. And I pray that you would give us your presence and your power to talk with these students about your gospel. Lord, to be welcoming place for your word to be planted and to grow up in the hearts of these young people. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to minister to them. And I pray that we do not take that lightly. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for paying for our sin. May we never forget the price that you paid for our redemption. It's in his name, the name of Jesus, that we ask all these things. Amen.